Every day, 130 Americans die from opioid overdose. Some of us are in invisible prisons today, even as we try to appear free. Sales of alcoholic beverages are up 55% compared to a year ago. I believe God's going to set you free. Alika Gambill. I'm saying the last name right, right? Gambill. Yeah, that's how you say it. Absolutely, yeah. What's happening, man? Nothing much, bro. I just really appreciate, you know, uh, us connecting. You asked me to, to be on here and, and, and um, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like today, really, you know? I love it, man. Uh, I'm stoked you're on. For our listeners here, this is my friend Alika. Alika is coming up on five years of recovery. Uh, has an awesome nonprofit, right? Nonprofit called Pro yes. Recovery Power is living in Southern California, mm -hmm. uh, but is from the big island of Hawaii. Dude, I love Hawaii. Because well, I've only been there once. I think we mm -hmm. talked about this. Uh, we've talked about this, but I've only been there once. I went on a, it was like a 12-day missions trip to Maui. Mm -hmm. It was, people were like, dude, a missions trip to Maui? What? What are you talking about? A mission. But it, we did, man. We worked with churches and we just did outreach the whole time. Oh, so good. So yeah. awesome. Yeah, Dude, let me, let me tell you this story real quick about that. Okay. Really quick. Okay. Yeah. There were seven of us, four of the three, three of the, of the team went home after like nine days. And then four of us stayed for a few more days. And, um, my friend and I at the time, we, we didn't even have enough money or know what we were going to do for transportation for the last three, four days. We literally didn't even plan it. We didn't even know. We're just like, I don't know. God will take care of it. We didn't have enough money to do it anyways. We're in line at the rental car place, okay? And we're talking amongst ourselves. Our other, there's four of us there. We're talking about like we saw God just, we saw a lady get healed of a tumor while we were there. Mm -hmm. We saw people get saved. We were just, we were talking about it, how, what, what we had seen just while we were waiting, while we're going up to the desk with no real plan as to how to even get a car. <laughs> <laughs> we're standing there talking and a couple in front of us that was waiting in line overheard us talking, <laughs> turned around and said, you guys are here on a missions trip? Like, and that's all the stuff you're doing. We chatted for a minute and they just said, Hey, we're just going to pay for your rental car for the next four days. Pick any car you want. Wow. So we drove around in a brand new Dodge Charger for four days on Maui for our last four days. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Man. Was, ooh, thank you, Jesus. That was yeah. Nice. God's favor, bro. Dude, man. Well, look, dude, I'm, I'm excited to hear what brought you to the point that you're at. You're doing some, some awesome stuff now, man. Um, I'm speaking and helping people and your events. I, you know, I, I saw the stuff you were doing, man. And it's, it's awesome, dude. It's, uh, what I always love is the stories that, you know, because we see people, uh, when the favor is on them, when they're doing well, yeah. uh, there's a story how they got there. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a journey how they got there. Um, and so uh, you also married family man, have, a, have a, yes. a son, right? Yeah, he just turned one last month. Oh, that's so good, dude. Yeah. That's so good, man. <laughs> it is. It's it's wonderful. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's well worth yes, it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's 
It's more blessings than it is work, but there's some work in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's worth the work. <laughs> oh man, are they yeah. ever? <clears throat> so, but let's hear, it, man. Let's hear. It. Do, how, how old are you? How old are you currently, right now, man? Um, I just turned thirty-eight last month. Thirty-eight, nice, dude. I'm thirty-nine. Yeah. Okay, so thirty-eight. Um, so let's hear a little bit about it. You know, I personally love the stories. All my mm-hmm. listeners know it because I have people on. I put a lot of uh, value on the stories because it, it shares hope and yes. shows that addiction can take over anybody's life, whether they were raised in a horrible home when they were young or really mm-hmm. good. And I was raised in a good home um, and it took over my life for 13 years. So I love the stories, man. So let's, let's hear it, man. Were you, you were born in Hawaii? Uh, yes, I was born. I was born and raised on the Big Island of Hawaii, a little town called Waimea. Um, but before is I that, get started, is that famous yeah. for the surf competitions? No, no, that's isn't Oahu. it? Is that, that's Waimea Bay. Oh, Waimea Bay. Yeah, it's Waimea yeah. Bay is yeah. what it's called, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's on Oahu. They that's do the Eddie Akau okay. um, surf uh, meets there. Yeah, but okay. the waves have to be a surf. I think they got to be like thirty feet in order for them to even have the competition. Yeah, so I'm not going in the water. 30 foot yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no thanks, man. I'll watch the pros. Uh, so cool, man. Born in white male, huh? Yeah, born in white male. Um, but before I get started, I just want to, you know, thank God, give God glory. Uh, everybody around me, the credit for where I'm at today in my life, because I did not get here by myself. Definitely not. I got into the mess by myself. No problem. Um, so yeah, Dude, I, I can I'm, so relate to that, man. So I created yeah. the mess and I can tell you, man, I would not. There's no way I'd be where I was, obviously with God, but with also a lot of very good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so uh, my town, yeah, it's called Waimea, but it's weird. My town has two names, Waimea and Kamuela. I don't know why. It has two names. Um, so, yeah, I was just like you, bro. I had a really good uh, childhood. I had a really good upbringing. I had Christmas presents. My mom was there. My dad was there, um, you know. I had a lot of love, I had structure, I played every sport you can think of, you know, I had a lot of friends and things like that, like, I had a good childhood, my, my parents didn't abuse me, they were, they were not alcoholics, they were not drug addicts, um, my dad was a drug dealer, though, for um, uh, about, about six years, when I was a kid, um, like, he would move keys of, of uh, well, he started with cocaine, then, then he made more money selling uh, crystal meth, and, um, you know, we had a lot of nice things. Uh, well, well, he had a lot of nice things. He had all kind of cars and boats. And, but I was a kid. I was like seven, eight. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so I was uh, 13 years old. Uh, I was 13 the first time I drank, the first time I got drunk, the first time I blacked out, and the first time I threw up. <laughs> I, was, I was 13. Wow. And, um, you know, growing up in Hawaii, uh, I come from a, a huge family. Just on my dad's side of the family alone, I have over 2,000 family members. So, what? you know, yeah, yeah, that's just my dad's How, side Do you know all their names? Do you know them all? No, no. Oh, I, I know say, man. If, if it's their last name, I know their last name. I'll know I'm related to them, though. I know that for sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have uh, um, family reunions often, so... You know, cousins start making babies with each other. You know, we, we know who is who. <laughs> so, Don't put um, them on blast right now, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, I come from a big family. So I grew up um, with a lot of my older cousins. I looked up to, I idolized. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to do what they did. Um, and, you know, I would dress like them. I would talk like them. I would act like them. 
I would surf like them. I would, I would try to party like them. I did everything that they did. Literally chameleon, mimicked everything. Uh, the jokes they tell, how they tell it, their body language as they're telling it. It's just because I was around them, uh, you know, growing up and, and throughout high school. Um, so they, my cousins, my older cousins and all their friends I would hang out with, they're all extroverts, all of them. You know, they didn't need drugs and alcohol to be social. I did, however, because naturally I'm introverted. So um, every time I try to behave like them in a sober state of mind, I just make a fool out of myself. And even more so now, okay, I got to suppress this feeling of shame because I just humiliated myself. So I need to, to take a drink. I got to go bang a couple lines right now. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, when I got into recovery, I, I learned that, that why I like to drink and use it was because of the effect it produced for me. However, if I really am honest and I think back, it really wasn't that initially. It wasn't that. What it was is me, so I, I bought into this lie, this lie that the world tells. And it sounds like this. You got to look a certain way, dress a certain way. Your muscles got to be a certain size. You got to have so many followers. You got so many likes. You got to have the right tattoos. You got the big truck, the gold chain, all the girls on your arm. You got to be knocking people out on the weekend. You got to have a reputation for being like a, a badass kind of type person. And, um, you know, you got to have a lot of money and all this, all this kind of flashy stuff. Like that's the lies that the world was telling. And I bought it hook, line and sinker. So <clears throat> growing up, being introverted, buying all these lies. Um, I, 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 drugs and alcohol was my solution. It really was my solution. It never, ever was my problem. Because when I was 15, I got introduced to drugs. I got introduced to cocaine. And, um, you know, my, my drug addiction lasted for 20 years. And cocaine was my main drug of choice, cocaine and alcohol. But I, I did acid. The only one I, can, I haven't done was fentanyl. Because fentanyl is not popular in Hawaii. Um, well, no, nah, so it still would have. No, nah, it, was, it was on the scene when you were, by the time you got clean and sober. It definitely was. But so yeah. it's not in Hawaii. I, I, I did some a conversation yesterday with a Gosh, I guess there was like three of us all in recovery. We were talking about how, man, if fentanyl would have been around when I was out there doing it anyways, there's no way I would have lived. I wouldn't have lived through it, man. There's no way. It's way no. too deadly. It's way, way too potent. And, and my, you know, my, my journey, the insanity came in same time. I was like 13, uh, drinking, smoking. By the time I was 15, I, I didn't. Get, I wasn't getting into the the cocaine and what and, and that, but I was pain pills just kept flooding yeah. in my life in that little window of time. So uh, I can definitely definitely relate to that. But mm-hmm. so there you are, 15 years old, huh? Yeah, I'm, so I'm 15, and um, to tell you the truth, I had a lot of good times drinking and using. It wasn't all bad, but it was oh, very okay. short. I, I agree. Yeah, it was very short-lived, though, to be honest for me. Because by the time I was about 19, 20 years old, I have already I was already progressing. I didn't know, but I started to progress more and more. And <clears throat> the, the thing, I never really questioned myself if I had a problem. Probably, I don't know, until I was maybe in my 20s, mid, late 20s, around or mid-20s. Because everybody I surrounded myself with could drink like me and could use like me. When I first started, they were like up here. I had to catch up to them to kind of gain my tolerance. And, and, and so I never made the mistake of parting with people who couldn't drink like me or who couldn't use drugs like me, because if subconsciously, if I hung out with people like that, it'll expose to me, Hey bro, you might have a problem. So yeah. subconsciously, that's why I only, 
yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang around with people. I wouldn't even make friends with people who didn't really drink and use um, like, like I did. <clears throat> so right around 19, 20 years old, I crossed that line into full blown alcoholic and drug addict. And um, for me, how I could tell the difference looking back when I got sober is right around that age, once I started, I couldn't stop. I didn't know why. And I didn't really care. I was having fun. It was, it was a party. But then somewhere along the line, probably about 26, 25, 26, it, 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 it was um, the one of the worst aspects of my drug and alcohol addiction was even when I didn't want it, I had to have it. You know, it's, it's when you're drinking and using against your will is no longer a party anymore. You know, like I, I would call my friends uh, that were my drug dealers back home in Hawaii. And, um, you know, I, I would meet up with them. I would stop by the house or he's at the gym. I'll come by the gym. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, yeah, bro, I'm going out to Kona. We're going to the bar. I'll meet some of my friends. I wasn't doing that. I pick up my dope. I went straight back home and party by myself. You know, th this is way, way, like, years, like a decade into to drinking and using. Right? Yeah, it's funny because it was very similar for me because I had a fake ID. <laughs> uh, I think I was like, sorry, I think I got it when I was like eight, 18. And I used the same one till I was 21. It was this weird thing, man. When when I was 21, and all of a sudden it was legal for me to go to bars and I could, you know, use my own ID. I was like, I don't want to go anymore. Yeah. I don't want to go anymore. Now it's not fun anymore for whatever reason. And it was the same thing for me, man. It was a very social thing uh, until it wasn't. And it was yeah. about the early 20s for me. It was most of the time. Most of the time, it was by my by myself. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because right when I started using when I was 15, I also accepted Jesus into my life. I started being exposed to uh, youth groups. I started going to youth groups. I was like, okay, there's, there's kids, teenagers my age. Okay, it's not a bunch of old people. Okay, this seems fun. You guys want to read the Bible? Okay, that's cool. Whatever. Like, let's play games. I want to play games. Let's have fun. Let's laugh. Uh, so I started doing that. And then we started going attending church. Um, but it's like when I think back, when I was 13, 15 years old, I, I, I switched teams. I went from, you know, the red jersey to the blue jersey. And I was unaware of it, but the red team was trying to kill me. As soon as I, I gave my life to Jesus, I, I was under attack and I didn't even know it. Um, <clears throat> Let me ask you this real quick, man. I mean, th that makes total sense to me. Uh, and we can dive a little more into that. But so you talked about your dad doing drugs when you were younger. What was your dad's, what was going on in your dad's life when at this point, when you're a little bit older, you know, 15, getting your early 20, what was going on in your dad's life at that? So right around when I was 15, my whole entire family, we started all going to church. It took mm -hmm. my dad, like, I mean, I don't know. My mom prayed for him for years. It took him so many years to just agree to go to church. And um, I remember, uh, well, I don't remember this. I was young. So he told me the story later when I was an adult already. But he told me uh, the church was called New Hope in, in our hometown. Um, it was actually in the cafeteria of my elementary school. And, uh, you know, the pastor was welcoming everybody. He's telling me the story. And he said, look, look, I've done this. I do that. I've done this. I've done this. I've, like, he was trying to tell this guy everything he's done wrong and the horrible person he is. So hopefully the guy would be like, oh, okay, don't come in here. Because my dad really didn't want to go. But the, the guy looked at him. The pastor looked at him and said, welcome. Come on in. You know, my dad was like, what? That's so you know, good. That's you know, it, man. That's Jesus yeah. right there. Because, you know, my dad, he grew up 
my dad is, a, is he is the most intense A-type personality I've ever known on the entire planet, you know? Um, and he, you know, he's a big guy. He was a power lifter for years. He competed all over the world. Uh, and, and my dad had no God, no Jesus, no Holy Spirit, no nothing, um, until he was older. And so, you know, you know, living that kind of lifestyle, all these nice things. My dad is sleeping with all these women. He's married to my mom though. Um, he's knocking, he's beating people up. I mean, putting people in hospitals, almost killing people. But he's the, he's friends with everybody in the whole state of Hawaii. All the policemen, they're all friends. So he got all, he got away with everything. He literally could have yeah. killed somebody, and he wouldn't have went to jail. No, no, not at all. So um, the feds had to get involved, and my dad, you know, he had no peace. The feds was always following him. He had no peace. He he was a lot of anxiety. You know that kind of lifestyle of people. If you guys ever mm-hmm. have done this, what I'm talking about, like. My dad, we had he had he was also a commercial fisherman. He wasn't. That was his, you know, that wasn't what he did really. He was laundering the money. Yeah, yeah. So he would go out on his boat and he would have to go into the middle of the ocean just to get peace. There's nobody around. There's no cops, no helicopters, no, no, no microphones, no, no, not nothing. Wiretapping, nothing to actually get peace. And um, you know, he just got tired of it and and the 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 Holy Spirit, or I'm sorry. Uh, uh, God started so, slowly, you know, talking to his heart. My my dad, and he had a lot of pride, you know, like a lot, man, a lot. My dad has an unbelievable story. They literally should make a movie about this guy. Um, but maybe we could get him know. on here next. Oh, oh, hey, my, and then look, my dad turned out he became a pastor too. <laughs> oh, come on, man! Yeah. I gotta get him on here, dude. Yeah. That's dude. That's. Yeah, we don't need yeah. we don't need to spend forever on, on that, but that's mm-hmm. that's glorious, dude. Now yeah, he's a pastor. Come on, man, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just curious because you talked about it when you were younger, and then all this is happening in your life. I was just curious what was going on with him as you were progressing. Okay, so um, you know, over a, a certain amount of time, I started to develop these certain thinking patterns and these behaviors. I got mm-hmm. very, 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 very good at lying and manipulating. I got good at like playing this part or this role of like victim, have compassion for me, pity me. And I was very good. How I, I knew how to project that onto my parents because they love me. And to be honest, they enabled me a lot, they, a lot. They didn't even know it. I kept my drug use a secret from them for 20 years. You have wow. to be good at lying in order to keep oh, that yeah. a secret. Dude, you gotta be a professional. That'd be yeah, a very fine tuned skill set. Yes, you know, I, I was, I was really good at it. Um, and so I fooled them for 20 years. You know, when the, when the truth finally came out, you know, they were surprised. Like, well, my dad was, oh, I'm sorry. That's my dad calling me. It's funny. He's just trying to call me. <laughs> <laughs> he hears me talking about him. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're left so, to tell you the know, story when you get off. Yeah, like, you got to get, get good at lying. And, and I did, man. And, um, you know, it, I fooled them. So, like, when the truth came out, they were surprised. But my dad, he was like, he was like, Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, it made sense to him because of my attitude. You yeah. see, um, my drug use, my alcohol, you know, uh, addiction. It, you know, was always my solution. Never was my problem. Like you may not even know I was addicted to drugs or alcohol, but you hang around me. I, I, I was exactly how an addict and alcoholic thinks, how they, how he acts, uh, how he behaves. Like um, you know, so uh, they, they didn't know what was going on um at all they didn't know and uh so when the truth came out you know uh 
to be honest, for me, when the truth finally came out, you know, holding, if anybody who is listening to me has ever held this a secret for however long of time, I mean, whatever the length was, I mean, it's, it's so heavy. It's so heavy, you know, carrying this around. And, and it's so exhausting. Being a drug addict, alcoholic, keeping all your secrets from everybody, it's like 10 full-time jobs in one. And, um, you know, on top of that, I'm pushing true, my man. mental health. Yeah, my mental health, my physical body to the limits. I, I, I have no idea how I never, well, I do actually, I take that back, now I do, uh, how I never actually overdose. I have pumped my body with so much drugs and alcohol in a period of one, that, two, three days. But God, he still kept me alive. He still kept me going for a reason, for a purpose. I didn't know why. I didn't care. I I, I was like, oh, God, just leave me alone, bro. I just, I want to, let me live my life. Like my dad's trying to control me. Like you're trying to control me too. Like what's going on? Like, just let me be. And he goes, hey, no problem. He allowed me to operate in my own self-will for 20 years, for really my whole life, really, to be honest, but 20 years of drug addiction and, and, and alcoholism. And I totally destroyed my life. I destroyed every relationship, every friendship. I destroyed my finances. I destroyed my spiritual health, my mental health. Um, everything I touched, I literally would destroy. Man, it's the truth, dude. It, it really, really is. And I remember, I'll say this quickly, man, because... Um, one of the things I love most is hearing about how, how bad it really got at the bottom and then what, what did God do and what did the practical steps early on really look like to really begin to shift that. But, dude, I was so done at the end. I was hiding from the whole world in this tiny little apartment in the middle of Nowhereville, Utah, sure. drinking myself to death. And I remember rehab and moved out to San Diego and uh, relapsed once there and everything. But just early on, it's just still so defeated trying to change things right and i would sit in meetings i've shared this on the podcast before but i would sit in aa meetings early on and i would hear people talk about how you know they have a good job and they pay all their bills on time mm -hmm. and just like just that just something simple like that and i would sit there and i'd be like yeah right i don't believe it <laughs> or i would sit there and i'd be like how is it really people that are, they're really able to like have a life? Like, how do you live? How do you uh -huh. even live? I didn't even know so much. So I'd hear people say that. And I was like, I had a hard time believing that someone could even pay all their bills on time and have some money in the bank and a decent job. That's how disconnected I was from reality. Right. Yeah. It made sense. It made sense to me. What you just said made a lot of sense. I was thinking, are you guys sure? I was like, okay, whatever. I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm struggling. I'm desperate. I'm dying. I'll just believe whatever you say because I don't want to live the life I'm living anymore. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> so what that? So so you're. It's, it sounds to me like this little phase of the story. You're you're approaching the end here, man. Like, yeah. What did like? What did the bottom look like for you, man? Okay, so to be honest, about ten years into my addiction, I was bottoming out already. Uh, and um, however, because I kept it a secret, <clears throat> I never asked for help ever. I wanted to, I had a desire to, I, I, I wasn't willing to though. Um, what was keeping me from extending my hand and asking for help was, it was simple. It was pride, it was remorse, it was humiliation. Um, you know, it was um, um, a shame. And I was like, nope, I, I, I made a decision 10 years into my drug and alcohol addiction. 
I'm going to either die from it or I'm going to die with it. That's it. Because mm. every time I even just try to fight against the thought of drinking and using, it just run me over like a Mack truck. Like it was a landslide victory for drugs and alcohol at a certain point. It didn't start that way. At a certain point, I would say maybe five years into doing it. Um, and I was, I was tired. I was so tired already. I was exhausted. And I remember I was told that in life, we'll go through two different pains, the pain of change and the pain of staying the same. For me, I, when, I, when, I, when I finally um, you know, uh, got sober, made that decision, everything like that, I, I was done. Like the knife was in me and it was just being twisted and twisted and twisted. And I was like, okay, I tap out now. Okay, God, let's try and do it your way maybe. So, but I didn't make it into recovery by extending my hand. Like I just said, long story short, I moved to California where I'm at now. I was staying with my sister and I'm a very good liar. But then all my lies just compounded, just lying on top of lie. I, I came home late one, one, one night and um, I had a car and uh, I sold my cell phone so I could go buy drugs. So she tried to call me. You know, I lied about going to work that day. I called off my first day of work. I called off sick already. <laughs> and um, so I get I've there. I've done that before. She, yeah, yeah. And she, I lost sister, the job first day. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was crazy. The first day I lost the job. <laughs> so my sister, this my sister and brother was living in California for like 20 plus years already. So they were not in Hawaii when, when to see me go through all this stuff. So they only, they only seen, oh, little brother. I'm the youngest one. You know, my brother's the oldest, my sister than me. So my sister, this is something I was not used to because I was good at lying and manipulating my parents, especially. I lived with them for years, even as an adult. So my sister, however, she just kept pressing me and pressing me and pressing me and trying to look through my phone. What's your Apple ID? Let me, she's, I was like, oh, dang, like nobody's ever done this to me before. So um, I'm, I mean, thank God, because if she never did that, the truth never would have came out. And I still would be drinking and using to this day. First, you prayed, at least half-heartedly, something. Mm -hmm. And my guess would be that you moved from Hawaii to California to try. You were trying at least to a small degree, you know, trying to get out of your environment. You were, you know, maybe it was only a mustard seed. That's all we need mm -hmm. with God. But first you prayed, you moved, you asked for help. And immediately someone you love started pressing tightening the grip yeah. and i was just that was god was answering your prayers through your sister yes no exactly bro <laughs> you're exactly right he literally answered my prayers you know because he had a plan for me all along i i just didn't know it and to be honest just by the way i was living my life i didn't care like god go go plan for somebody else man just just boy boy, boy help me feel better first and then go help somebody else you know yeah, yeah. help me get 20 bucks that. first man yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, but unfortunately it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way, you know, as I, as I found out, but, um, you know, that's how I made it into recovery. My, my secret, my deep, dark secret that I kept in the dark, once it was exposed into the light, all those feelings of, of, of shame, guilt, remorse, humiliation was instantly gone. I say this all the time. Like, you know, whenever you go into a dark room and you flip on the light, you guys, anybody ever notice how the darkness never fights with the light to stay dark? It's instantly, it's gone. That's what it felt like. It felt like so much freedom. All, all the all secret, secrets, all these weights just came off of me. I still had a lot on me, though, still. But, but the secret part, all this carrying this around, and just, I was just, just, just dying, just like, what really brought me into recovery was a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's really what, I was so broken, man. And I, my mind literally was broken. My 12-step program, 
in the beginning, it's, and, and like till now, it, it helped me, my relationship with God, number one, and my program helped me to think properly because yeah. I never had a drinking or, or drug problem. I had a thinking problem that manifested into a drink problem. Or a drug too, problem, man. an anger too, problem. Too. Drugs and problem. alcohol, not the problem, dude. They're a yeah. symptom of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, um, you know, I was I was set free of, of those secrets of that particular one. I had tons of them, bro. But I, that particular one, I was set free from it. It was very liberating and freeing. And and I, I was I was like, okay, it, my secret is out in the open. Everybody knows. My family knows. They still love me. They still care about me. I didn't die. I don't feel humiliated. Like, oh, let's go, let's go. So, I, I, I am not a procrastinator. Even in my addiction, I wasn't. I, I was. I, I take action. So, as soon as that came out that day, when it came out, crying for like an hour, and and then my brother helped me apply for the Cover California. I tried to call treatment centers to get into treatment. No, call tomorrow. Is there a bed? Call tomorrow. Call tomorrow. I'm like, a week goes by. I'm like, but I, I don't know. I, I think I might use. I, I don't know. I gotta figure something out. And then I looked up 12 steps, 12 step programs in my area. There was a Alana club two miles down the road from my sister's house. So I got dropped off there. And, and, you know, that's how I got into recovery. Once my secret was in the open, bam, I took action because I, I, I was ready. That's why. No, no other reason but that. I was ready. That, that's all it was. It wasn't, you know, people talk about non-addicts, alcoholics typically tell me that, you know, it, it's just a matter of willpower. In my opinion, it's not really a matter of willpower. It's a matter no, of... No, it's not willpower. Yeah. Willpower almost killed me. <laughs> it's like Shut it's up. a matter of, are you done yet? Are you ready? That, that's really what it is. You're oh, ready sorry. to surrender. You're ready to... Right. ready to. Are you ready to drop your willpower? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. bro. So, you know, that's how I got into recovery. Um, and that's, you know, I, I, I went to my first meeting. I identified... This guy comes over to me, shakes my hand, bought me my book. I still got it. And he said, here, call this guy. That guy became my sponsor four days later, and he's still my sponsor. I literally, whatever these people told me to do, or, or they, didn't, they never told me what to do, whatever the suggestions I got, whatever directions I got, I took them, all of them, except one, to be honest. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did all of them except one. They said, don't get into a relationship within the first year. I met my wife three, about four Four or five months sober, I met my wife. You know, it's like, hey, hey, bro, don't, don't. I understand that's how the program works, but hey, don't put limits on my God. <laughs> you know, he, he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything I can ask. You think so, you know. I, I, I was respectful. All the old timers though come up to me. <laughs> you know, oh, I was yeah, like, oh. yeah, yeah. I, don't know I was respectful. Yeah. <laughs> they said their piece, but but you know, God, that she was God's plan for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I love I love that man. You know, there's there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I mean, I mean, everybody's story is different. Everybody's, but they're all extremely similar at the same time, too. Yes. And that was God used AA in my life. I went to AA. I was going to like probably on average two meetings a day. Mm-hmm. There's days where I'd go to three or four if I had time for like first year, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very, very involved. And um, my passion for, for Jesus and my passion for God at about a year and a half in, God started speaking to me about leaving AA. Um, and, and I, and I have, I haven't gone to a meeting probably since about a year and a half into my recovery. It's been over 12 years, but I've been in much of it still looks the same. Uh-huh. Well, in the sense of I'm still in meetings and community and fellowship all the time. It's just not AA. So right, it shifted right. for me, but I just say that to say mm-hmm. that 12 step programs are, instrumental dude they're so yes. and especially especially early on 
It's yeah. vital, man. God used it in such a powerful and beautiful way in my life. You just get around people who care. You get yeah. around people who have been through it. Mm-hmm. They know. You could tell them the craziest thing you're thinking or you're done, and most of them will just laugh at you. <laughs> like, oh, really? That's yeah. it? Really? Want me to tell you what I did? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you get around them, and they'll help you. They'll, they'll give you, like, honest, good direction that uh, just works, man, for, for people like you and I and what it is we came out of. So <laughs> I think that's beautiful, man, because AA 12-step meetings played a massive, very important role. Yeah. In, yeah. in my recovery as well, for the first like year and a half, it was God just used it to transform my life. Yeah. You know, me too. I had the same experience basically as you, you know, um, with the 12 step fellowship and things like that. You know, when I got there, um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking now as, um, as a Christian. So when I got sober, building my relationship with God, getting into his word, reading, I literally for about the first maybe year and some change, I spend hundreds of hours in my Bible and in my big book. Literally. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I literally, I, I was seeking. One thing, as a Christian, I'm talking again. I want to make that part clear. One thing I have always disagreed with in, in 12-step program is you get to choose your God. See, the, tw- the third step is, you know, um, uh, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore to sanity. Now, if I am the problem, my thinking is the problem. It's not the drug. It's not the drink. If I can create God, I really got the power, though. But I just admitted I was powerless in the first step. Me personally, I need to understand God as God is, not as I think he should be. Because God, I I want to know him for who he is, not who I can create him to be. Exactly. You know, that's just my take on it. I'm not trying to trying to rub anybody the wrong way, but I hey, stand firm. You be you, man. You say whatever you want. I don't invite you on yeah. here to say what I want you to say. You be you. Know? you. I'll add to that, though, and I'll say this. My struggle with it, even early on, was a lot of what you said. So so you you, you got someone with a mind that is completely distorted and warped uh, beyond, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally. They come limping into AA, uh, as you know, for help as a solution to change their life, and you take someone that's in that space and has that kind of thinking, and the suggestion you give them is just create a god, any higher power you want. Like, at what point does even just common sense come into play? Like, do you really think sure. that person's in a place <clears throat> to just make up a god? that's mm-hmm. going to transform their life for them. I've seen many people live into healthy recovery that are not Christian mm-hmm. and I'm just happy for them. Yeah. I believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is hundred percent, but I'm just, I'm happy for him genuinely. But I will say this to just come in there. I've heard people say, you probably heard this dude in AA. They say, well, you know, if you're having trouble, just, you got to have a God. Like if, even if the door handles your God to get started, you just got to have a God. There's I've heard, I heard that said in meetings. They, say it as a joke but they also mean it there's like something besides you and i'm like what did you just say what you're telling someone with that thinking to just create a god out of thin air and that's going to transform their life i've I've struggled with that too i respected it um Mm -hmm. and i think people are on a journey and god meets them in many different ways and i've seen it happen um (laughs) but me as well especially early on and now i'm like even from a common sense perspective that makes no sense to me at all yeah, you know, like um, <clears throat> I, I I was far beyond human aid. No human power could help me already. I was far. Um, 
I respect 12-step fellowships, 12-step programs and how it works because without it, I wouldn't be here today. You know, hundred percent, dude. 100%. I, yeah. Yeah. So I get that. I understand. Um, <clears throat> and you know, like there's other programs out there like smart recovery. I don't know if you know smart recovery, but like, there's no God. In that. I honestly, I, I scratch my head thinking like, I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't try to give it too much thought or too much of my attention. Like, you know, the thing is, you know, like, again, I want to speak as a, as I know you're a believer. So I just, I think the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my mind to say this. <clears throat> so, you know, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, I, I'm talking, I want to talk to you right now for a second. So, <clears throat> you know, I have seen people whose God is not Jesus, who, who they don't believe in God, the father, they got their own God and they have a better life than Christians do. We are the examples of the world. We are the sight, salt, and the light of the earth. That, that's our responsibility. That's the call God put on our lives. I believe we got to step up and be examples. And this is another thing. I have met more honest people in 12 steps than I have in church. And I'm being honest. I'm not saying church is bad or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think, though, as, as believers, you know, we got we to gotta, we gotta step it up. We got to step it up. We are the examples. Because, look. There's life after death. Death is not the end of life. You can have a good life here, but you know, I mean, what happens when you when you when you're not here anymore? Where 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 are we going? We will spend eternity somewhere, you know. So, um, that's something. I like I, that, I don't know. The Holy Spirit just dropped that in my mind. So I said, okay, okay, I'll say it. <laughs> say it then, man. I I appreciate you saying it, man. You can be real, as as real as you want on here, but I have. Uh, I've spoken about that and, and noticed it over the years as well. Uh, people who don't know God and want nothing to do with God have some form of spirituality, you know, yeah. maybe in their life and have more peace than a lot of the people I see at church. You know, they handle yeah. stress better <laughs> than a lot of people who could spout off, you know, 50 Bible verses they memorized. And it's not a, you know, oftentimes the enemy hits someone who declares himself a believer even harder, just like you experienced yeah. when you were 15 without even realizing what was going on. Mm -hmm. So I, th there is a very real spiritual battle going on. I get that. But at the same time, I just say that to say, I appreciate you saying that. And it is very true there. It's not our job to be perfect because it's not possible. But yeah. if we, if we're not even living in, a measure of peace that's greater than somebody that doesn't even know God. Well, <laughs> I probably got some evaluating to do in my own relationship with God and where I'm at, because I have access to a peace that surpasses my ability to understand it. I have right. access to peace in any storm, joy in any storm, no matter what's going on as someone who follows Jesus and says they know God. I don't, I don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse to act like someone that doesn't know God. I don't, I, I don't have an excuse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I firmly believe in this, you know, I, uh, you know, cause if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything, you know, that, 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 has been, that has been my experience, you know, and I'm not trying to knock, you know, other religions, people's beliefs, nothing like that. I, I am pro my God. I'm not anti your God. That's not, that's not, that's not a good what, way to say know. it, man. Yeah, there's yeah, people yeah. that listen to my podcast. They are not believers and they keep listening. And they know me personally, they know, no, oh, man, I'm not concerned if, if you have perfect theology or if you like, I'm not, because you're not a believer doesn't mean I don't want to be friends with you. Matter of fact, I'm have probably spend more time around unbelievers than I do believers. 
Yeah. And yeah. I'm not out to judge him, man. I'm just out to love him. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I think like, you know, we, we got to be the examples, you know, for the world to see. Um, but, you know, that there's a lot of responsibility with that that comes along with it. You know, and therein lies the problem. That's what it is, you know. So, um, yeah. Let me ask my, you this, uh, Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, you stumble into AA. It's probably a good way to say it. I stumbled into AA. <laughs> or maybe drag, maybe, maybe drug myself in there. You get in there, man, and God starts transforming your life. You get that stuff out into the light. You start experiencing some transformation. Early on, um, as you know, and I've walked through it, the many people we've probably worked with and talked with, early on is obviously a very hard time for many people in in recovery. What did, spend a couple of minutes, if if you would, man, what did it look like early on for you and learning the skills and weathering the storms that would come and like, what was the prep? So, so obviously God, and there's the spiritual side, but what, it, what sort of practical action steps were you doing to see that transformation come about? Okay. So the first thing I started to do uh, was build my relationship with God back up. Um, I, I got a sponsor four days into going to a meeting <clears throat> uh, within 30 days. He started walking me through the steps so I, I was, I was, um, I had the ability to be honest with myself. I mean, I had to learn that. I'm sorry. I had to learn how to be honest with myself, which is the single hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like nothing mm. will come close to, to that. I don't think, I don't think, but you know, God's full of surprises. So maybe, um, uh, uh, uh willingness and open-mindedness, you know, they talk about these things. So <clears throat> in the beginning, honestly, I guess because I was so sick and suffering, so broken, I wanted to get down to causes and conditions of why I do what I do. I didn't know these people seemed to have a solution and they had what I wanted. So honestly, what changed and revolutionized my whole entire life was very simple, to be honest. It was following directions and taking suggestions because I, I, you know, in my addiction, I was very defiant i had bold resistance against authority like if you tell me go left i will go right even if i'm going off a cliff i don't care it doesn't matter i have so much pride i want to listen to you i know everything don't tell me nothing unteachable uncoachable bad attitude so my sponsor to this day he has never ever ever told me what to do He's never made me do anything I don't want to do. Or he never made me do anything, period. I have never felt like my free will was threatened by this man. And, 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 and um, you know, I didn't find him. He found me. God sent him to me uh, on purpose, you know, because for a reason. Because if I had somebody telling me what to do, I don't know if it would have worked, to be honest. I understand, like, I have friends that their sponsors will literally tell them what to do. And that's cool. Like they've been sober. They're, they're, they're in different fellowships and stuff. And they've been sober five, six years, whatever. That's good. But for me speaking, that probably wouldn't have worked for me because of, um, you know, my dad, my whole life would tell me what to do, would make me do things, would impose his will onto me. And I would fight more. I was I'll push back even more and more and more. And that's kind of how it started growing up childhood, adulthood and all this. So by the time I got sober and I was like, oh, hell no, nobody better tell me nothing. I had a good career, by the way, too. I was, I was making some good money. I was traveling all over the world. Um, so I, I had a big ego. You know, I was competing. I was dominating in the state of Hawaii. At one point I was. And so, you know, like, ah, don't tell me what to do. You see, look at all my awards. 
You think I need your help? You know, you know what I mean? I had this, I had this, 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 this the worst attitude in the world. My goodness. So <clears throat> um, going through my step, I'm not going to go through all my steps. Uh, it'll take too long, but to kind of uh, first, second, um, what was, I um, wasn't difficult for me. Third one wasn't difficult for me. Oh no, I'm sorry. The third one was difficult for me because it was doable. It was, it was very doable. It was difficult, but I, I got, I got, I got through it because I was a major control freak. Like if I wasn't in control, I was out, I was out of control. Like, 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 I mean, I could have to control everything. Like where we're going to eat, what beach we're going to, uh, um, uh, what, how much kids we're going to have, the name of the kids, uh, everything, everything had to be my way. If it didn't, wasn't I just I flip out um so you know uh I was if I wasn't in control I, I was I was out of control and you know um being being that so you surrender yeah yeah so like surrendered so, control exactly you know it's so funny you mentioned that I learned recently it was like a few months ago I have a new definition of surrender now I heard this I forgot where I was what meeting or what or I forgot who said this but they said look this is my definition of surrender and that is just joining the winning team, you know, because you ain't winning if you're losing. I was losing big time, man. So, like, yeah, the too, third man. step, I, I, the first time in my life, I was 33 years old. The first, for the first time in my life, I claim to have done this, but I never did. First time in my life, I, I relinquished control, and I said, God, okay, I will trust you now. I, I trust me more than I trust you, to be honest, but I'm going to take a leap of faith. And I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you because you know what's best for me. I, what I think is good for me is bad for me. So I need your help. And, and specifically in regards to finding a wife and being married, that's something I always wanted since I was 15 years old. So I'm not kidding. As soon I, I completed my third step, days later, I met my wife. Amazing. I get to my fourth step on, and um, I'll kind of kind of skip through the rest of them. But my fourth step, is, is, uh, let is, me say this real quick okay. about, about that. There's that, you know, it's, it's interesting, man. So much of walking with God and so much of the recovery process, dude, I call it the paradoxical paradise. Uh-huh. Think yeah, about it, like dude. That. You have to give up control in order to get control of your life. Mm-hmm. You, yes. you, and we, there's a long list that I could go down where it's completely paradoxical. It, it doesn't make sense to the, if I'm thinking with my brain only, it doesn't make sense. If right. I'm thinking with my heart, you can begin to grasp it piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And it's paradoxical. And it, and it just doesn't make sense to the mind steeped in self-will run right. right. It begins to really, really make sense once you just engage with it a little bit. You know, I had to surrender control in order to get control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I know exactly that. What you explained, exactly what I experienced. I so you put it perfectly, man. That was, that was great. You literally just told me what I went through. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I got to my fourth step. And, you know, I made a searching and fearless more inventory of myself. Of myself. Um, and, you know, because any business who doesn't take regular inventory usually goes broke. It's the same thing with human beings. Uh, yeah, no, dude, I was so I, bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. So by this point. Spiritually, you know, I, emotionally, and literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So at this point, bro, like, I'm like. Um, I, I labeled myself victim. I could blame everybody for everything in my life. I had tons of resentments, tons of fears that I wasn't, I, no, I was fearless in my day. I don't fear nothing. So when I get to my fourth step, I get through these three inventories, resentment, fear, and, and sex inventory. Now the resentment one, no problem. My, my hand couldn't stop moving, man. Pages of them. Uh, and um, I get I get through the resentments. Uh, my sponsor had to walk me through some of it uh, because 
I literally couldn't see what my part in it was. Like, like if you look at it on paper, all the way up until like what my part was, oh, it's so justifiable. People see that, they go, man, it makes so much sense. Oh, I feel bad for you, bro. You know, you know what I mean? But whether it was my sponsor taught me, whether it was 1% or 99%, I had a part to play in every single one of mine. So I had a few of them, about five, six of them. I, there was, I was like, look, I have no idea what my part was in this. So he never did give me answers either. That's another thing I love about my sponsor. He makes me think. He starts asking me questions. We start conversating. We start talking. And before you know it, the answer flies out of my mouth. And I go, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, that was my part, you know? So uh, I get to the, that, uh, my fears. I was like, no, nah, I'm fearless. Again, once I had to do this, my, my hand couldn't stop moving. I'm afraid of this. I'm, afraid. I'm like, holy crap, I'm afraid. I have tons of fears. You know, I didn't get through the sex inventory um, as well. So this is paradoxical I'm, paradise as well. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But it's the same thing, dude. I see, like, for me, I got in a lot of fights when I was younger. Uh-huh. Up until up until I think I was at the age of I was like about 20 when like five guys literally kicked my head in and I ended up in the hospital. And I, uh-huh. I've never gotten in a fight since. But uh-huh. I always thought like I was living this way. I was aggressive and 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 you know would get in these situations and just go off because I was fearless. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. It's because I was filled with so much fear. It's right. literally the exact opposite. Uh-huh. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, bro. I know. Shoot. So like, you know, oh, just really side side note. So I, I was with a sponsee a few months ago and he was going through his fear. So I still have all my forts there. My wife knows everything about me. She's seen it. We have never gotten into an argument and fight about it. Like she just trusts me because wow. I just, I'm so honest with her about everything. So, but, so I keep my stuff. Um, and so I was looking at it and I was like, wait, wait, this whole a ton of fears. I went to check off all the fears I don't have anymore. There was 34 fears I no longer have. Amazing. So I get through my fourth step. At the end of it, I complete it. You know, I, uh, I stopped cutting myself and blaming the knife already. I had proof on paper in my own handwriting. I no longer was a victim. I was relieved of the bondage of self for me specifically at that point in my recovery. That one set me free. I found the most freedom. From of me, the most freedom period in my fourth step. And it was because of how I operated, how I thought, my thinking, my cognition, uh, being a victim, blaming, blaming everybody and justifying it and believing my lies. So um, shared it with my sponsor, five, six, you know, all this stuff, um, you know, made my list. I checked it five, six times, you know, um, and then I made started making amends. But I love um, 10, 10, 11, 12, you know, 10, you know, continued humility, a lot of humility now. Continue to take personal inventory when you're wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, continue to build your relationship with God. 12, carry this message to somebody else. My sponsor taught me in at 11 or 10, 11, 12 will prevent a 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. He said, if you fail to 10, 11, 12, you will, okay, you probably will build a resemblance. Okay, you're probably good to work the steps all over again. Because nowhere in the literature does it talk about them working steps multiple times. And I'm not against that at all. Tons of my friends have done that, you know, um, but it's when I failed to 10, 11, 12 where okay you know like and this is something that i'm grateful for so you know people we got these apps like the sober time i got the sober time app keep track of how long i've been sober so i have that but i also have something else next to it and the one next to it to be honest i'm much more grateful for that one than how much time i got clean so today i it's resentment i have been resentment free for um, 982 days. I've been resentment free. I mean, that just that, sounds cool. Yeah. 982 days of resentment yeah. free. And let me just say this on that. 
we're living in a time period right now where people almost look at you. If you don't have a resentment, they think something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, you, if you're not angry about something, well, then there's definitely something wrong with you. What do you mean something's not bothering you in this world mm-hmm. going on? It's like, no, nah, man, I get to live free. I get yeah. to live free. What do they say, man? It's a, um, unforgiveness, you know, resentments is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. <laughs> right, exactly. It's exactly what it, it's part, the best explanation I've ever heard. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and... and um you know, yeah, drinking the poison, you know, and, and like resentments for me personally, me, when I went through it, I learned, I understand for me, it, it is poison. It's, it's fatal. Like, like you can separate me from drugs and alcohol. I can lose my life or destroy my life off of resentment. I understood mm-hmm. that. I just really did because of how much I was harboring. And I was like, Ooh, okay. So like if somebody, I, what helps me is acceptance. That's what helps me to prevent. Uh, um, and, and this is how I know. When I have a resentment towards somebody, I know this. I will treat them differently. That's how I know. So that's how I can tell I have been resentment-free for 982 days. You know, like, acceptance helps out a lot. You know, it's the key to all my problems. That's what they say. And honestly, it is. You know, it, it, it has been for me. That has been my experience, you know. Definitely helped me uh, grow in that area. But, you know, I mean, the steps was amazing. It's, it is amazing. It really has helped me. But, you know, God... Um, you know, I'm moving to talking about PRP now. So, you know, God, he put this, this desire, he put this call on my life. Uh, there's a, I got purpose now through my addiction, birth, my purpose. I I started uh, pro recovery power. Um, now keep in mind, I have, I have built relationships with hundreds of people in my fellowship and I drove them deep. I know them. They know me. I know their kids. I know what they like, what they don't like. We've traveled together. We've gone gone camping. We've done stuff. We have tons of different things. Now, I kind of, God's calling me to go this way. Okay, okay. I'm still a part of my fellowship to this this day. Uh, I'm not super active like I used to be, though. So I I go off. I start Pro Recovery Power, a page on Instagram. That's how it started. Then I started, you know, uh, going live with other addicts, other alcoholics. I created a platform for people to tell their story. Like, for me, it doesn't matter how somebody got sober. 12 steps, God snapped his fingers, therapy, treatment. I don't care. what. what it doesn't really matter. I care. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care. Um, but, um, like, if they want to struggle, they no longer do. I think people need to hear that. This world needs hope more than ever. Yeah, you know? I'm with you, man. So, I've, I've had a lot of people on my, my podcast who I'm not, I don't only want to hear people's story who I agree with everything. Right. Who I agree with all of their views on God or their or whatever, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that goes on with people who have come out of a living hell and are living in a good quality of life now that's genuine and you can see it. Um, those stories need to be told because we just got to meet people where they're at with some hope. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started doing that, bro. And um, <clears throat> I started uh, printing recovery clothing, created a YouTube page, a website. Um, I started a recovery meeting on Wednesday night through Zoom. Uh, then I started doing uh, a panel so in my area locally in, in Riverside. I, I was doing panels out of sober living. I uh, started doing that. And then I turned it into a nonprofit organization about two months ago uh, because I believe this is the direction God wanted me to go. Now, saying all of this stuff, all these hundreds of people I have developed, broke bread with, developed relationships, build them, I can count on one hand how much of them support me in what I'm doing. Now, 
I understand this is where God wants me to go. If I, if I cannot, I, can, I cannot, you know, throw a rock at every dog that barks because it'll, it, I'm focused. God got me going here. These people talking about me, they're doing it. Like it'll take my focus this way. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not focused on what God wants me to do. See, I have learned to be in step with God. Sometimes it will take me out of step with people. And I'm okay with that. I, I learned, you know, I learned I'm, I'm free of people and, and their opinions about me. I know who I am because of whose I am. My identity, you can challenge it all day, but I know who I am. It doesn't matter. I will fulfill my purpose. I will do what God wants me to do while I'm here on this earth and nothing will stop me. You know, so whew, I'm going to calm down. Now. Oh, man. No, no, don't, don't. I mean, you know, we, we're, we got to wrap up here in a few minutes, but don't calm down, actually. Don't, don't do that. I love it, man. I love it. You know, the steps were extremely instrumental in my life and many people know this and i mean it's in the big book i i was kind of like you man it sounded like you maybe read it more than i did but i've probably read that big book at least 20 times at least the first uh-huh. you know 162 pages many 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 times I haven't years but i i devoured it and i mean dude it's all biblical every single the 12 steps are literally from a pastor yeah it was a yeah. pastor his name was reverend shoemaker at calvary yeah. church in new york that literally i mean and so they work, man. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like uh, spiritual transformation for dummies. <laughs> right, right. And that's it's what funny. it took for people like us. I needed it simplified. I wasn't yeah. going to get it. I wasn't going to get it. If it was, you know, go to a church and just every week hear the theological points and this, that, and the other, like God could have done it in a, a bunch of different ways and eventually would have, I'm, I'm sure. But it, I don't know, man, it just, it just simplified it. I could grab it. So yeah, I, I totally get I understand. that. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. And, and it's funny, too, you know, because like like Dr. Bob was already a believer. Bill Wilson came to accept Jesus as his higher power. A lot of people didn't know that. Whether mm-hmm. people know it or not, who, who have gone through the, the AA program, they're getting sober and staying sober on kingdom principles right out of the Bible. You know, 100%. like you talked about, I, I have literature on this stuff that that because I've done research and I've done my homework on on more digging deep in the roots of, of AA. I, but to be honest, I never got sober in AA. I just know a lot about it. <laughs> but um, you know, I've done that and and like you know, I've I've um to see like where like the lineage, what happened. Like like I don't know. I just I like to learn and stuff like that. You know, so but it's amazing. Like like you know, they use the entire book of James, uh, uh Matthew. They almost I mean, were called the James Club. Yeah, the James Club. They I almost know. named themselves the James yes. Club. I mean, they were I, for I a know. minute. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about that yesterday, and I, I knew that, too, when you said it. I was like, dang. You know, and then 1 Corinthians 13, which describes love, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Literally, you know, without the Bible, that book wouldn't have been written. You know, plain and simple. That, that, is, the, that is a fact, and that is the truth. Literally. It's, it's in it's the history. Irre- you can look beautiful. it all up. You can go yeah. look it all up, dude. It's all in the history, man. It's... It's the truth, man. And, and, and the thing is, dude, is that it just works. It, it just works, works though, dude. Yeah. It just works, man. That's why it even works for people who, you know, don't give their lives to, you know, they're not, they're not follower of Christ. They can still yeah. live by that and live a better life. And if somebody's just living a better life than what the hell on earth of addiction and, and they're in a, they're in a journey and process themselves, man, I'm, I'm happy. They're not on the street dying. Yeah. You know me too. I mean? So am I, man. So am I. Let me, let me ask you this, man, as, as we wrap up here. So first of all, man, I'm probably gonna have to have you back on okay. if you're up for it. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll find some more stuff to talk about, dude. I love yeah. the I love the passion, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody two things, man, like, and we've been talking about it this entire time, but 
what do you say to that person who's like, yeah, I've been to three rehabs. I tried that. I tried this. I'm like, his way is they're hundred percent hopeless. You had like 30 seconds to say something to him. What, what would you say to him? At that um, moment? Like if they literally, well, that was shocks. Cause I have done this before, but it takes me more than 30 seconds, <laughs> but you like, got a window. You, you got a 30 second window, man. Okay. So to kind of encourage somebody, like if somebody, if you're out there, you, you're struggling, um, you know, with drugs, with alcohol, you, you, you don't know what's going on. You tried this treatment center, you tried that one, you did this 12 step, you did that, whatever. You try to build a relationship with God. Um, you know, everything it, it's, it's basically, it's still the same, you know, like, first of all, like, like, if, if anybody identifies as an addict or an alcoholic, we are not a stranger to hard work. We know how to take action. You know, it's just, we get lazy. You know, we know how to, to, to hound the dope dealer at all hours of the night and go from one bar to the next. We know how to take action. Everything that we learn, we, have, we I suggest that we apply. All the stuff I learned, if I never applied it, my life would still be exactly the same. I just have more information in my mind. That's it. See, something like, um, let's say you're struggling with um, willingness. Let's say that willingness to believe in God or something along those lines, willingness, period, you know, ask, pray for willingness. Even if you don't believe in God, if you believe in God, or if you don't pray for willingness, man, that, that is so key and instrumental per in my personal recovery in the beginning, taking action, being honest and being willing and keeping an open mind. That's good, man. That's good, man. That's a good place to, that's a good place to wrap right there, man. Just some, some simple stuff. And, 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 and say this too, uh, before we close out here, man, if somebody wanted to get connected to you, what's your Instagram handle? What's your website? Go ahead, plug it real quick. Okay. Yeah. So um, if you guys want to connect with us uh, on Instagram, uh, it's pro recovery power. Uh, we have a website. It's pro recovery power.com. We also are on Facebook as well. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I run the, these um, social medias. So I'm a lot more active on, on Instagram, but I check them all. I check all my social medias. Uh, as well and uh, you guys can go to our website though it talks about everything our mission our vision what we're about got the recovery merch on there our youtube page everything it describes us as a nonprofit organization that's beautiful man and thank you for what it is you are doing man the more people that can come out of that mess and really live a healed and whole life and, mm -hmm. and be loud about the message the more the better man the more the yeah. better and can i say one last thing Something Quickly. to drop in my mind. <laughs> yeah, real quick. So this guy I've been, I know, uh, well, I've been watching him for years. His name is Pastor Ron Carpenter. He's up here in, in San Jose now. He said, look, he's doing a sermon one day and he said, you know, Jesus has said, make sure the light in you be not darkness. The translated version of that is make sure what you believe to be true is not a lie. I mm. lived the life for 20 years because I believed the life for 20 years. So our thoughts are things. Let's, let's protect our minds and renew them on a daily basis. I'm glad you threw that in there, man. That's good. That's good, dude. Thank you. I, I, I would love to keep talking to you, man. I'll just be real with you, dude. I got to go be a dad and pick my son up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, for our listeners, dude, I would encourage you, man, uh, follow Alika on all this stuff, man. He's always sharing good stuff. Uh, go check out the website. Uh, show him some love. And again, my friend, we'll have you back on sometime, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah, dude, I got to get back over to Hawaii. <laughs> I'll talk with you real soon, man. And thank you guys for joining us on another episode here on the Recovering Reality Podcast. 
Thanks for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast. If you're looking for more recovery resources to help you in your journey, you can access our YouTube channel, a free ebook, our podcast and blogs through recoveringreality.com. You can also connect with us about recovery coaching, sober companionship, or interventions. And if you're looking for treatment for you or a loved one, you can reach out to a very well-respected treatment center called Banyan Treatment Centers at 866-942-8154.